Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. All right, guys, listen up. Uh, Podcast One, there's a new app. You can subscribe and download new episodes each week with the new Podcast One app. Uh, You can find out everything about your favorite shows and get more content from my show, Starving for Attention. Find articles, social media, episodes, make playlists. It's easy to comment and connect with other show fans. We have our own little community on there. Actually, I want to go check in with that community. It's a good way to sort of chat with them, Jasmine. Um, Share your favorite content. See behind-the-scenes photos like we're taking right now. You get 360 video or you can watch a bunch of shows in virtual reality which is insane. I have not done that yet. There's over a thousand videos on there right now. It's like you're in the studio. It looks so cool with so many things you can do, including fun things like rewards for listening and so much more. My favorite part of the app, um, you know, I think it is the social sort of networking that you can do with all the community members. Uh, and you can find out like what people, you know, are into on the other shows, right? Yeah. So like nice. I know we we follow sometimes Dog the Bounty Hunter and I mean not yeah. follow them right, not like on the street, yeah. but we follow their show in studio sometimes, Dr. Drew, etc. Yeah. Uh, and you can see if there's any carryover. Like hey, I don't know, maybe you're listening to Dog the Bounty Hunter one day and the next day you're listening to Starving Attent- for Attention with Richard and Jasmine Blaze. There's no other podcast app like this, so download the all new Podcast One app now in the App Store or on Google Play. Enjoy the show, everyone. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone in the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, famous chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Hey, everyone. This is Richard Blaze. Uh, I'm with Jasmine Blaze. Hi. Uh, and we're in Trailblaze headquarters. It's got a nice ring. It's got a great ring. You're the one who actually put the title on it. Um, it's otherwise known as uh, the, a bedroom at our house where the mail comes, the address. <laughs> um, and we're uh, not in L.A. today. And one of the reasons why we're not up in L.A. is because we're trying to save the environment, right? We're trying to buy a new car. Well, we just don't want to take our gas guzzling car up there today. That's true. It's a gas guzzler. It's time to go electric or hybrid. I think uh, it's going to be a Tesla. Did you say hybrid? I did say hybrid. I think, that's I think not I did. How it's pronounced. It's a hybrid, right? Uh, which is like that's what I am. Um, but listen, we're looking to buy a new car, and uh, when you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure that you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. Unfortunately, a lot of times this isn't the case. I mean, people configure cars online only later to find out they're not actually available. With TrueCar, you get real pricing on actual inventory. This is not pricing offered by TrueCar, but pricing from an actual dealer. And not just any dealer, but a TrueCar certified dealer. This is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. I love the word transparency. Uh, Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. Next, TrueCar will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for now. And now you know what a fair price is so you can feel confident. Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. There are over 13,000 TrueCar Certified Dealers nationwide. You'll work directly with a TrueCar Certified Dealer contact. TrueCar users are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with TrueCar Certified Dealers. I hope our buying process is very fast. TrueCar users save an average of over $3,000 off of market price 
Uh, listen, once you register, you'll see a real price on actual inventory. It's competitive pricing offered to you only by a true car certified dealer for an actual vehicle on their lot. It's pricing you'll see before going into a dealership so you can feel confident when you show up. True car shows their customer all of their available incentives before they arrive at the dealership. So when you're ready to buy, like I am, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Uh, and listen, some features are not available in all states. I think we should try True Car for the new car. What do you think? Yeah. I think it sounds great. It's time to do it. Well, listen, uh, really exciting episode upcoming today. It's the amazing Alon Hall. You've met Alon before a number of yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, a couple yeah. times. We yeah. uh, Remember we met him in L.A. when we were going to do that restaurant at the old firehouse? Oh, yeah. That's right. We and just he... walked by that the other day. We did. got accosted. Ooh, wow. That's like my, I'm getting goosebumps now. We did almost get accosted. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's in an up and coming. It's, it was up and coming like seven years ago when we were going to open that restaurant. It's still up and coming. It's still coming. up and coming. Still it's up and coming. One of those neighborhoods. Oh, but it was, uh, you guys went to the ice cream museum. We did. Yeah. We did. Museum of ice cream. It's a we, hot ticket. Hot ticket hot for a ticket cold product. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't get to go because I had to go yeah. do an event somewhere. It's all right. What was, was the ice cream museum all about? Um, you know, Instagram. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I do know Instagram. It was like being in Instagram. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's kind of a mix. So, like, there's a lot of scenes, like a lot of like set up uh, photo shoots, is what it felt like. Oh. So, not so much of a learning experience, not the museum part, I would possibly question. Right. Um, but there's, so I'm, a, I'm assuming then somewhere in the ice cream museum, there's that iconic moment, like, you know, where cone in hand. Like, I feel like there's so many Instagram photos of just a beautiful... Yeah. They didn't have cones. ...person with a cone. They didn't have cones well, at the no, ice cream they had, they had, the t- I told you they had that warm ice cream in a cone. Oh, And our kids dumped, it, in the, dumped it and ate just the Yes. Yeah. So, so wait, wait. I remember this. Embry was telling me, our youngest, yeah. that it was black ice cream that and tasted like... Well, it was chocolate chip cookie dough was the flavor that was advertised. Okay. So they're selling chocolate chip cookie dough. Not yeah. It's jet black. Giving it away. Giving visually. it away to everybody as, you, as you go through this room. And there's really cool art on the wall. And uh, then you get this cone of ice cream that had the texture of kinetic sand. Do you know what that is? Oh, uh, I love the X-Men. And it sounds like something a villain from the X-Men yeah. would throw up. But I know I like kin- it's a like kinetic touchy sand. It's sand. Sand that sticks together. It doesn't get everywhere. You can mold it, basically. So it had that texture. And then Embry takes one lick, if, if you can even call it that. Right. And says, it tastes like mac and cheese. Oh. <laughs> so it's black ice cream that's not cold that yeah. tastes like mac and cheese. That had the consistency of sand. And here's how weird I am, and has a consistency of sand, but here's how weird I am. Do you want to taste it? That doesn't sound yeah, undelicious. I know. I know, I figured. I could have just put it in my purse. It, I don't think it would have melted. That's a little scary. It was really weird. I, I really wanted to go back and ask what it was, but you're not supposed to walk backwards in the Museum of Ice Cream. Oh my, what, does time <laughs> reverse if you walk backwards? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So I wait, are there it... signs that say no walking backwards? No, they, they tell you when you go in that it's a one-way exhibit. So you, you want only to walk one way through the museum. You can't room to room it. Now, how long, how long is the whole tour well, of like the... Like hour. It is an hour. It's about okay. an hour, yeah. Because I, when, uh, when I saw the space, which is a renovated warehouse, it looks like, or something right. similar, I had this sort of vision of this Portlandia skit where they go to a museum, a train museum, and the, and the whole museum is basically like 10 steps around <laughs> one wall. 
and you know they pay for it and right. they're like that's it it's just a couple <laughs> pictures on a wall the ice cream museum is more than that it's much bigger than that yes and you get uh black uh room temperature yeah. mac and cheese ice cream yeah i mean the kids loved it thought it was amazing and I, and I mean, when I say the kids, I mean all the 20-year-olds that were there. That's true. <laughs> it was like me and our, our eight-year or nine-year-old and six-year-old and then a bunch of 22-year-olds. That's was pretty much it. Kind of amazing. And yeah. it was like a Sunday afternoon. It was like 105 yeah. degrees. It was the National Day of Ice Cream. Oh, by the way, you're an incredible hipster because yeah. you somehow managed to yeah. score those tickets oh, yeah. on National Ice Cream Day. It's crazy. So how did you... I'm, 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 just, I'm just linked... I'm linked up. This is some sort of Bitcoin purchase or something? No, no. It's just luck of the draw. Kind of amazing. I wish I was there at the Museum of Ice Cream. Well, welcome to Starving for Attention, everyone, a podcast. And we're trying to get to the bottom of it all, like the raft of a well-made consomme, which is actually a horrible analogy because consomme, it's a clear soup. And as it cooks, all the protein creates this raft. And that raft has to stay on the top of the soup and all the impurities get sucked up into this raft. So if you actually were trying to get to the bottom of it, it wouldn't be with the raft. So it's not an actual raft. It's not something floating in There's, the soup, like physically, like a little yellow life preserver or something like that. That would be adorable. Like, did you have that vision of like a yeah. little person like sort of like Well, when you said rowing? raft, I figured it was something floating. But, you know, in my mind, I'm like, maybe it's like a little sponge or something. I feel like we're going to have to do that like as a segment now, like mm-hmm. a little graphic segment. Uh, but no, the raft is like, again, it's this sort of... Uh, puffy, um, kind of gross white substance yeah. that floats on top of a consomme. I've seen it. Consomme is like a stock? It's a stock. It's like a clarified right. s- a stock slash soup. Got it. Uh, and it's one of those things that you really only make in culinary school. Like There's a lot of things that happen in culinary school if you've not gone that you'll only do in culinary school. Consomme is one of those. Um, College is like that too, actually. <laughs> That's That's a lot of things you do in college. So this is just basically for education. Yeah. Um, But consomme is one. uh, Knife cuts, right? Like you're going to spend a week in culinary school like figuring out how to make an oblique knife cut um, or a paisan or like all of these. Right. Exactly. These weird, uh, you know, a baton. I mean, you've heard of that one. I've heard of that one. Julienne. Julienne. I've heard of that. The Brunoise. I've heard of that. Yeah. Exactly. But that it really only ends in culinary school. Um, there's also a lot of other really interesting things that uh, I remember from culinary school. Um, like one, like if you have um, a sweaty uh, crotch area, uh, cornstarch. That's where you first learn that a little, a little dab of uh, cornstarch on the crotch area uh, will refresh in your day a bit. It's gross. It's kind of gross. It's um, super gross. I, I remember working in restaurants where I'd see the chef grab the box of cornstarch before they head to the bathroom. Oh, that is, that's really gross. gross. I've actually, I don't think I've actually ever done it, but I've seen other people do it. But yeah. in, in, in culinary school is where you first kind of... When you learn about it. It's like a hot tip in it, culinary school. It is. It's not like in the lesson plan, is it? No. As a matter of fact, it's not condoned by... I went Chafing to, 101. Exactly. I went to the CIA. Yes. Which I know throws a lot of like not. Well, it throws my friends off when I when uh, they ask what college you went to, and I say, "Oh, he went to the CIA." They're like, "Whoa, spy? the Central <laughs> Intelligence Agency?" Is that no, what the that CIA was a means? school. Yeah. Um, no, but the Culinary Institute of America. So we're pretty particular about, um, you know. I mean, we like to say it's the Harvard of culinary schools. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's like one of the mantras. Of the school. Self-appointed mantra. Right? Self-appointed. Yeah. Um, so right. they would not, the CIA does not condone the cornstarch thing. Or um, if you forgot your belt, you're going to class and you forgot your belt, you can use like saran wrap 
as a belt. That's another. Did you have to like? Is it military school? Did you have to wear a belt? To the class? CIA actually is um, very. A matter of fact, it's close to West Point, so there is this sort of like um, commonality between the two. You have to show up, and you have to uh, yeah, you have to get your uniform checked out. You can't have a dirty apron. You have to wear a toque. Have you ever seen one of those? It's a tall hat. I've the, seen it. <laughs> yes, yeah. the tall hat. Do you know what the hundred pleats on a toque are supposed to represent? Um, no. Yeah. It's one thou- of those- uh, does it represent each thousand uh, dollar incremental payment that you've made to the CIA? It probably should. <laughs> That's a better answer. But I think historically the pleats on a chef's toque represent how many ways that chef can cook eggs. Uh, that, that, tall tail. I don't believe it. Tall hat. Get it. Let's tall get it. Tail. Start a list right now. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and probably again at culinary school, that'll be the last time probably that you wear one of those toques unless you work... For a super, super French chef or like I think 11 Madison Park or like a really fancy place. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Hotels sometimes. Yeah, sometimes hotels. The Ritz-Carlton, St. Regis sort of thing. I could see that happening with some of their chefs. But a lot of things that happen in culinary school that you just don't see again. You know what you do see? um, You know, there's a math class in culinary school. Yeah, math? Well, you have to figure out like yields on products, right? So like one of the first things you'll do in culinary school is they'll throw you a carrot and you'll have to peel it and do a yield so you can figure out what things cost. Mm. I think it's actually ca- called like costing. culinary costing. It's not just math. called math. It's not just called math. Right. But you know what's funny? That's where usually students for the first time like bleed yeah. <laughs> in, in culinary math because you'll have to – it's the first time that you actually – take your knives out of your kit and they're super sharp oh, and everyone's in like, you know, shirts and ties because it's math class. You're not in your chef attire yet. And then someone always pulls out, you know, a 10 inch chef's knife to do a yield test on a carrot and cuts their finger pretty horribly. Lord. Lots of blood, sweat and tears um, at culinary school. We should do. It's just like the uh, CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency. Yeah, we all have aliases. Yeah. <laughs> we we learn how to so uh, shoulder throw people. Yeah, um, uh, poison Lots of blood. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what foods are poison? All of that right. sort of thing. Um, but I actually loved it. We should do maybe in the future an episode, perhaps that's devoted to culinary school. What do you think about that? Like get an instructor on here or something. That'd be fun. Alon went to uh, CIA too, right? Oh my God. Perfect segue. Alon Hall is going to be this next episode. Uh, And he did go to CIA. Um, Alon Hall, so another amazing graduate from the Culinary Institute of America. Uh, We were up in New York. We're at the Ace Hotel. Uh, It's going to be a fun episode. You know who else was there, Jasmine? Who? Uh, Well, you know who wasn't there? Let's get this right out of the bat. You weren't there. I know. I wasn't there. I was busy. What was I doing? Yeah, I mean, you, first of all, if you weren't there, you were super busy. Yeah. Um, I have to admit, you were missed. Oh, that's nice. You were you were missed. And I'm glad that we have this opportunity now in our uh, office, in Trailblaze offices. HQ. In headquarters uh, to do a little open for this episode because we missed you there. As a matter of fact, as soon as Alon Hall sat down, he said, where's Jasmine? Aw. He did. Miss you, Alon. Pe- people are a fan. They're a fan of you. That's nice. Uh, in real life like and it. also on the podcast. Uh, also... Eli Kirsten was there. That's right. Eli popped up. Eli popped from Atlanta. up. Atlanta. He yeah. actually came in. He subbed in for you. He did. He tried. Which you is know. like the worst third string quarterback. Aww. I love him. It's kind of like preseason where you get to see like all the different quarterbacks on the roster. Well, nice. you know that like this might be his only time he's ever going to throw a football it in the might, NFL. It might be. You never know. It might but be. he might pop up on some other roster. You know. He probably Pop up will. On cooking issues. He or... said a lot of things uh, prior. We had lunch at Made Nice across the street, which is uh, Will and Eli Daniel's always spot. finds a way. 
to get, get a, a free couple, lunch. A couple meals out of you. <laughs> He does. <laughs> it's a superhero. Uh, he talent. orders big. We ordered like four plates. That's his other talent. Yeah. Um, but he he did. I'll tell you what. I mean, we love Eli Kirstein. Uh, he was the best man at our wedding. Um, but he also dropped a jewel at that lunch, Jasmine. Right. Right. He said he doesn't. Inst- I was talking about how weak his Instagram game is, <laughs> and you brought it to my attention first. Oh, I yeah. think. Sorry. He's gotten a lot better actually, he but has. it was weird. There was just a, like, le- a learning curve. Yeah. Always. Here's a picture of a light yeah. on the street. Like it was trying to be very yeah. David Lynch, but it just wasn't working. Yeah. It's gotten a lot better. Um, but we were talking about his Instagram game and he said, you know, he's got this rule that he doesn't post past 9 p.m. Because he's probably been drinking. Oh, like does he have that app that like locks out his phone? He, he should. But I thought, just thought that that was an absolute jewel. Like what a great tip. Oh, man. Uh, you know, there's other people that could use that tip. There's I mean, a people, lot. There's, yeah. there's some people in uh, the high end of politics yeah. that could probably use that tip. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Alon Hall. Yeah. Absolutely. Alon Hall. Eli Kirstein, uh, without Jasmine, but she's right here. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So listen to our episode with Alon Hall from the Ace Hotel uh, on Broadway and 29th in New York City. Good day, everyone, and welcome to Starving for Attention live from the bowels of the Ace Hotel in New York City. Literally, we're underground today because uh, my room, uh, the loft upstairs, which is just my way of saying uh, I got the upgrade. Um, there's a lot of construction happening outside, so we've descended many floors where only those of the highest order of hipsterness are allowed to go. Uh, really, I mean, Ace Hotels, uh, in every market, they're just kind of infested uh, with fascinating people. I mean, on our way down here, uh, we were trying to find the right room and we accidentally walked in on a homemade mayonnaise workshop uh, and then quite embarrassingly interrupted a poetry session where Q-Tip was reciting. He wasn't rhyming. He was just doing poetry. And that's like a Tuesday afternoon here at the Ace. Um, I always feel like it's um, a place that caters to like cool Boy Scouts from the 70s or like, actually like ousted Boy Scouts that were too cool for their troop. Like, I don't need my Scoutmaster or my troop. I just need these Life magazines and turntables and this acoustic guitar. Uh, like, I feel like Kelly from the Bad News Bears. You remember Kelly from the Bad News Bears? You're way older than me. Well, Kelly from the Bad News Bears would enjoy staying at the Ace. Um, but seriously, this little zone of Manhattan's become a, a, a really nice uh, food place. I mean, the Breslin, John Dory, uh, which we're downstairs. Actually, it smells like John Dory down here. Not just the, the fish and the restaurant, which is it's a good smell. I mean, yeah. April, April knows it's what like she's doing. Buttery roasted fish. Yes, it smells like buttery roasted fish. That's a nice image. <laughs> uh, there's Stumptown Coffee, Nomad, The Smith, Numpang, um, Made Nice by the 11 Madison guys. Really good food here. Uh, and speaking of good food and hipsters, Eli Kirstein is joining me. He's sitting in for Jasmine, who had to get back to California to tend to the praying manti. Don't you think hipster is a little bit of a reach for me? Well, I, you have like two buttons on your shirt, super hairy uh, chest, like thin it's black rim glasses. Summer this is not the Hamptons look, by the <laughs> way. Um, but I, th- I, I listen to me. I'm saying like that's like a compliment. Like you just spend your days like cooking on the big green egg. Yeah, I just sit outside and meditate over a grill and and smoke meat. You're like a, a young Mandy Patankin, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You, you love that reach. I told you, I'm going more for the shawarma guy in the Lower East. I, it's, it's it, for my goal. I, you're getting there, dude. You're getting well, there. Well, Mandy Patinkin is kind of like the shawarma guy in the Lower East. <laughs> I, I think it is. It's kind of like a... he's the head of the so like, CIA. What's, what's the southern version of that? <laughs> I don't I, think there is. I, I think we need to create that role uh, for, for Mr. Patinkin. Um, some pod business here. New show alert. 
Are you a beast in the kitchen, a prep machine? Do you do all of the work at your restaurant faster than everyone else? Then heed this casting call for a new food competition show consisting of 10 mise en place related obstacles. It's time to cross off that prep list with a golden sharpie by butchering, baking, shucking, and sauteing your way to the top of that final mountain, a mountain of dirty dishes. That's right, for the first time in the history of food television comes a show focused on the craft and technique of culinary tasks. No pretentious judges or ridiculous challenges, just a bunch of cooks competing against time and precision. Obstacle course style. Welcome to American Kitchen Warriors. Send your resumes and a reason why you should be casted to starvingforpod at gmail.com. That's starving, the number four pod at gmail.com and we'll probably read it on the show. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a real idea, by the way. That's a real idea that you pitched? That's a real idea that I, I've been out with. Like, you're, you're very L.A. <laughs> it, it, it sounds fun, but, you know, is it a pro-am kind of thing? It's, it's, like like... An, it's, it's, it's an obstacle course, but let's get right into this before we talk about American <laughs> Kitchen Warriors. Uh, you may know our next guest as a Top Chef winner, host, and creator of a real television show, Night Fight. I know him as a guy who I text frequently that I'm tired or I'm only in town for a few hours and I can't come out. <laughs> the always impressive Alan Hall. Hey, Dude, thanks for having me, Richard. So good to see you. Like, you've created a real television show. What do, yeah. you, what do you think about my pitch there, American uh, um, Kitchen Warriors? I think it's, it'll be great for a very small audience of oh. people that cook in the kitchen and no one else. You know what I love about that? Like You're so honest, though, because <laughs> when you are pitching that, that no one has the follow up. It's like it's a great idea. We're gonna get with your people. We'll discuss it's, it. It's a hard. It's a hard sell for you know. It's a hard sell for a network to want to sell advertising for unless it's selling carrots and celery. See, you're so inside it. You know that it's all about the uh, ad dollar. Yeah, but why don't you get a big sponsor like Under Armour? That's well, listen. Why is Under Armour not hey, in the listen, kitchen space? I think I think it would be great interstitial in between a full proper cooking competition. <laughs> so at the forty minute mark of uh, Knife Fight or Alan Hall's next show, uh, we're going to do American Kitchen War. It'll Perfect. be a web thing. It'll be that I just do in digital. my backyard. It'll be like a kiddie pool filled with uh, foie gras. It'll be bobbing for foie gras. It's like second chance for Knife Fight. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's last was it last yeah. chance kitchen. Um, so let's get right into it. Sure. I mean you. Are impressive in so many different ways. Like I'm, I'm truly a fan uh, of you. But you did something that not too many people get the opportunity to do or succeed. Like I have not succeeded yet at this. You You're sold right. your own television show. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a, that's a funny phrasing to put it. You don't really sell anything. You come up with an idea, and then they say we want to do this, and then they decide if they want to hire you afterwards. Right. But that's just the television business. Right. Um, no, it's great. It's great. I mean, we had we had fun. We did four seasons of Night Fight, and it was you know something that we were doing at the restaurant in L.A. just for fun every once in a while. Okay, that's a true thing. Yeah. Okay, because like I hear it, and it's like you know, there's a part of me that's like, oh no, that's just the open of the show. It was a real organic thing that they no. turned into this. No, it was it was. I mean, it was small scale. It wasn't, and it kind of started from taking old mise en place when I was working at Casamono. And at the end of the night, we would just sort of take five minutes and two line cooks would be there and we would just make something quick. And then one of the restaurant managers and then, um, you know, another cook or a server would eat it and tell us which one's the winner. So it was like, you know, a quick sort of iron chef style thing, but in five minutes. And I always wanted to continue doing that. I'm a very competitive person, but I'm terrible at every single sport. So, you know, cooking was kind of the thing. That's one of the reasons why I signed up for Top Chef, because super competitive, but, you know, I'm not 
good at anything else really so you took one you took was that your first idea that you went out with too um no actually there was a pitch that i did to bravo for dave Sirwatka that was very very poorly thought and planned out okay um and it was just it's not even that was just one of those you're in the family and yeah you're in in an office i got a meeting i got a meeting meeting. so i just said you know it was me i was opening my restaurant a friend of mine was opening a new restaurant and i just said and that was my pitch i just said we should just film that. Hey, that was what about this? I like to eat, and I also live in this city. Let's just, just show the trials and tribulations of opening a restaurant. And there's been a hundred things like that. I was just being stupid. And, and then you and learned the term follow doc. Like, follow did you, doc, like, yeah. like, did you? I mean, did you think that you were, were ever going to become sort of like uh, a creator, producer of uh, in television? No, I just thought I would cook. That's all. I mean that that was the thing is I didn't I didn't have this idea to make it into a television show. It was uh, through a friend I met this guy uh, Rich Kim who's one of the one of the co-creators of the show and and he had a production partner that he was working with and he was throwing around show ideas and he had this one idea that we actually we actually did a second show um, on a different network that ran for a season um, but that was his first idea it was a concept called Food to Get You Laid oh yeah and um, that ran on Logo but we he wanted to pitch this idea out and I and he wanted me to be the host of it and I thought it was kind of I, I always I don't feel like a like a sexy debonair you know sort of sort of guy it felt weird that the the only way that I would you know, get the attention of women was to cook for them. I think you um, got a lot of sex appeal. You're you're totally you. selling yourself short. You are you I are my am, audience. You are. I'm kind of attracted to you right now, actually. All right. Well, <laughs> we are in a hotel. <laughs> yes. Um, the Ace Hotel works. The Ace Hotel. <laughs> Can I tell you something really? Total side note. Um, my son was conceived in this hotel. See, ah. like I've like that's amazing. No, really, he, 100%. <laughs> I don't think it's a lot. It was on my birthday weekend, and I know because I hadn't seen my lady for a long time before, and a long time after she was doing a lot of work travel, and um, we had. Yeah, two. it wasn't in room six eleven, was it? Just so I know. I could probably later. find out what room okay, it was Okay, just in, for later tonight. So it was like a two chains video, basically. Exactly. Got it. Exactly. That um, did, yeah, but but uh, your child's not named Ace or Scout. No, or? his name's Theo. That would have been really cool, right? That would have been cool for be. the Ace Hotel. And next not really time, for when, when, the, when, the, when the next child's coming, give me a, give me a holler. All right. Like, I'm good at coming up with, with possible names. Right. Like, we were going to have... Let me um, name your kid. So my oldest daughter, her name is Riley. Uh-huh. But somehow, before we knew the sex of the child, I convinced Jasmine that we should name the kid Jet. Because I thought Jet Blaze. Actually, Jetson. Jetson Blaze. And she must have known it was going to be a girl because she agreed. <laughs> is, is that a horrible name? It sounds like a creator, Jesse, creative it's player. It's not very nice here to your child, to your child coming in. You have to think about Jetson? their life. Jetson Blaze? <laughs> I think, I don't know. Like, it, to me, it's, you sound fast. I mean, you have to be fast. There is. Well, you'd have to be fast. You'd have to be, like, the best athlete. You'd have to be the best, you, know, like you know. Richard Blaze, like Dick Blaze, I mean, like, he, he, he got up above it. Hey, listen, first of all, it's Has Dickie. he really, though? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's true. It's my way. It's like a boy named Sue. It's my way to get back. Um, so, okay. So, you can so, see okay, the so child at the, a- at so, the Ace Hotel. Yeah. Um, you create Night Fight. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing about it. Okay. We've both been parts of many different productions. Yeah. You, don't, you didn't just create a show. You created something that was, like, truly unique. Um, I think became, you know, I still think it's one of the best cooking shows that's Thank ever you. been created. Yeah. And it has a voice to it that is like inside baseball. Like it's 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 sort of made for cooks who yeah. cook. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that's that's. I think our biggest fan base. I think that's those are the people that watch it and love it. I mean, and not only that, but there have been these sort of spinoff live competitions that have happened 
in lots of different places. Some people have asked me to come and come and judge on them, uh, but all over the country. That's kind of interesting, which is kind of it's awesome because it's not nothing you'd ever sort of. Is it something you're pursuing? Because I've been thinking about like why aren't we? Um, like selling these things live, because mm-hmm. like if you watch it on television, why not watch it in live? Happen well, live. You do live. You do live stuff. Do I do a lot of live stuff. So yeah. It's my favorite thing to do because you get that automatic, automatic gratification, yeah. right? You know if it's working or not. I'm actually working on. A, um, I'm looking at my publicist as I talk, but trying to get some like open mic stuff happening, like just for the fear factor of it. Just go out there and just, just go and do some stand up. Just, go, just, just do like, stand up. Just get like booed off of a stage. You remember that thing we did at uh, on a theater in Atlanta, like at Variety? Right. Atlanta. We've done some theater stuff. Yeah. yeah I didn't get. Booed. That was good. well. I was cooking mostly. Yeah, um, but how did how a good do, shield to stand in front of? How do you? It, it. You know what? That's what I'm saying. That's why I want to do it because the cooking part of a I, and I hate the word demo. Uh-huh. Like I hate when I like because to me it's a show. Yeah, um, and I feel like we you can hide behind the food and then like are you really engaging the audience and are you you know are they, are they feeling something are they laughing or whatever that is. Um, but you get that reaction on on knife fight. Well, yeah. I mean, we do have we have people in the restaurant, so it's it's sort of a. You're, you know, I'm not the one cooking. I'm the one eating. So, you know, when we're doing when we're doing knife fights, so I get actually the best job ever. Um, but you have the energy in the room, and that's really. And if you talk to people that have been to a taping of it, it's not unlike the competitions that we've had at the restaurant. It's identical to the sizzle reel that we that we sold it with. I mean, the the lighting, every, you know, there's slight. It's it's slightly more higher end, but for the most part, if you looked at our our sizzle, I mean, it's not edited completely it's a four minute thing but it looks exactly the same as the show does because we just had some friends come over that had cameras and shot it in our restaurant and just did it and we had an amazing turnout when i asked people to come you know it was kind of crazy jonathan gold was one of the judges wow um you know ethan suplee was a friend of mine an actor he he came it was just like this awesome elijah wood just showed up and started <laughs> doing. He was the timekeeper. He's the reason why in the first season we had like a celebrity that. timekeeper. He does he, he does. And well, he used to come into the restaurant a lot. And it's, it's I mean, totally veering off to another path. But the, the Gorbals in L.A. You know, I speak to a lot of employees, and we had more celebrities. Not by any for any reason. We had more celebrities coming to the Gorbals L.A. than in any restaurant that I've ever worked. In. I've worked at like. Oriole on the Upper East Side of where you know even working for Batali where he's like best friends with every rock musician right for some reason the weirdness of our restaurant that we had in LA it like it was a safe place it was safe very famous hidden it was it was like this it was very weird I I remember one time like having a hot dog lunch with you in LA Mm -hmm. and like I didn't even realize it but then like you two two of your friends popped in and then they left and then you're like oh yeah those are two uh, these two actors here that I forget who, who were the no, one, one was one was one of my best friends, Giovanni Retta, who was my co-host on Night Fight. Right, and um, and then it was uh, Pat Pat Fugit, yes, Fugit from right, uh, um, you know, almost famous, like so. so the, uh, my fa- my favorite movie, like of all yeah. time, I know, and I had a hot dog lunch. Afterwards. Yeah, I had a hot dog lunch with them, like but before I knew, you know, before I've met any celebrities. And, and that's the weird out. thing. That's the weird thing about LA. It's almost like you sort of. You get, and I talk about this with Michael Voltaggio a lot because w- when I was in LA, I would see him quite a bit, and we would do events together. And just by default of being in Los Angeles and running a restaurant, you, and especially if you're not trying, if you're doing something that's unique, if you're doing something that's your own, then people want to come and see that. Because or, at the end of the day, it's an artist's community, right? So well, whether your art is film or writing or yeah. making television or movies, yeah. like they appreciate the craft yeah. of like doing something that's really great. Um, Night Fight, so you yeah. said it's the same as The Sizzle. So this is interesting yeah. to me. One of the things I love about the show is the lighting. 
Yeah. Like you kind of capture this like Mexican cockfight um, slash like fight club almost. A little bit, yeah. Is that did I make that up or is that something that is it inspired? That was by... our fir- our first working title was Food Fight Club. Was it? So you yeah. must have told me that because I'm not smart think, enough to just come up with that Maybe. on my own. But it's got that like, what are we gonna do? We're just gonna punch each other in the face mm-hmm. until someone falls down. And that was kind of the feeling that Without existed. That. <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, yeah, that that was kind of what my restaurant kind of was a little bit so it was it was almost an extension of that it wasn't we didn't we didn't plan to make it what it what it became it just was from what we thought was cool and it just kind of came together and you know luckily enough we we pitched it and they wanted it and and they wanted more of it because like, yeah. it's super successful. Yeah. It's had, uh, you know, I don't know how many episodes. I've watched like two seasons in a row once on like yeah. a, you know, like an international flight yeah. and I just fell down the wormhole. It's amazing. Eli was telling me he tried to get on the show and you didn't let him. That's not true. I pinged you and said I'd love to go on and your response was cool. <laughs> you probably <laughs> – that no. You, I, I, this, this is what happens. This is what happens when, when, we, when we set the show and it's, and it's partially my fault. And By the part, way, no hard Partially feelings. not my fault. Not, no, no, no. Not at all. We – the way that we set it up, we had a master list of people, and then we checked people's availability, and then and then the network had their sure. had their opinions. So it was always it was always not that not that they were hard about it. It wasn't I I was they were they were pretty hands off in terms of most things. That was one of the things that they had a strong a strong thing on, and for what reason or another, I mean, sometimes there were there were chefs that they chose that I that they really wanted that were on the bottom of my list, and sometimes there were chefs that you know the the other way around. So I, I always loved the chefs that were on the show because it wasn't just press darlings. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I, I had a couple of good friends on there, like Kelly English. I mean, oh, Kelly like, English is amazing. Yeah, I mean, amazing. I, I graduated school with him, so like, yeah. he and I go way back, and I mean, he's like a Memphis OG who people don't know about, but they should. He's awesome. You know. Yeah, and Tandy Wilson, yeah, awesome. awesome too. Yeah. I mean, we had we had a great time. Also, um, the second season, I had a lot of fun because we we started bringing people from outside of LA. Because at first, it was just Los Angeles, and um, the second season, we got a bunch of people from Portland that were amazing. Like, Portland really- is an unreal city. I just came back so from Portland. Cool. You've been many times, yeah. I'm assuming. Um, and and I, I've been joking about it. it was the, I felt, I'm a little weird. You know I'm a weird dude. Yeah. And I felt like I just want to go outside in like Speedos and a wool sweater. Why would that's you want to do, do anyway. I guess, no, right, but I know I felt comfortable doing it. Like that's Got the it. difference. I okay. wouldn't walk down the street here okay. in speedos and a wool sweater. But in Portland, I felt like yeah, I belong. Like it's just a sense of belonging, and especially in the food space, uh-huh. like it's just all about great food and great chefs. And like, yeah, appreciating. I, I think I think there's a there's sort of a, a lawlessness about it in terms of you know you don't have to follow the rules of food that larger cities sort of you have to adhere to to a degree i mean i noticed that when we opened the gorbals in la we had this very strong opinionated vision that was very aggressive food wise that had a haggis burger on its opening menu that was very it was very like super aggressive it was it was aggressive i mean tons it was most of my meat were were awful awful cuts so it was like what was the manischewitz dish Oh yeah, we braised pork belly and manischewitz, which is good, but kind of it was kind of like a cheap. It was kind of like a explain cheap what is haggis yeah, just for our audience. Haggis, here, might okay, not haggis is a <laughs> it is a peasant dish from Scotland. 
that is traditionally the pluck of the sheep that is uh, minced, mixed with oatmeal, and cooked in the stomach of the sheep. Yes. Yeah, that sounds absolutely delicious. Yeah. It does not sound delicious. But but there are certain things that legally in the United (laughs) States you can't get. So, like, sheep's lungs are not considered safe as food for for humans. Right. Um, Well, why? made for dog food. (laughs) I, I, How popular was the Haggis Burger? At it was actually really popular for a little bit. Right. Like, there were people that were really excited about a restaurant we, when we opened, and then, you know, the true feelings of the city kind of I, deve- helped us to develop. I love hearing about that dish because I had a friend, totally non industry, who ate there mm-hmm. and said in the best way possible that the Gorballs was the restaurant and the gas station at the end of the universe. That's wow. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah that's, so he said that to me. I was like, that's. Awesome. That person's so cool. Is that a writer? That person should write. I want to steal that. I mean, it's the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference, and it was just. Oh, man. That's great. I love that. Um, that's I, I take a lot of pride in that. So you've always had so obviously you have a haggis burger on your menu. You've always sort of uh, had these interesting items. Like I'm looking at the list of episodes of Night Fight, and like mm-hmm. one of them is raccoon. Yeah, which you can eat. I'm assuming since it was on the show. Well, the reason the reason that I chose raccoon is because I've cooked it before, and I cooked it because right before Night Fight happened, I was supposed to be on Discovery Channel for um, an episode about roadkill. They were doing a show where they did an episode about roadkill, about people that eat roadkill, squirrels raccoons things like that and so they shipped me a whole bunch of raccoon that i cooked a lot okay so how does when one receives raccoon Mm -hmm. that's being shipped to them how does it arrive frozen okay and in steaks um no it was whole whole raccoon headless headless oh no no, no. excuse me not headless (laughs) not headless no no but but really it has its head on it's skinned but legally when when um when you buy any sort of animal that's considered a rodent they have to keep um a paw and hair on the paw so that you can determine what animal it actually is because there's some that are not legal. That's the way, same way you buy squirrels. Yeah, same way you buy squirrels. So <laughs> so, so there's a little bit of hair left on the face yeah. and there's also a paw or two that is like a lucky rabbit's foot kind of, but the rest of the thing is skinned and it looks like the devil. That's amazing. Like it looks like a demon. It's the scariest, most violent-looking face you've ever we, seen with its we hair off. We discussed this earlier. What what animal do you think has uh, better taste, a possum or a raccoon? Which is more? I've never I've never eaten a possum. Yeah, I haven't no, had no, possum. I'm not saying for oh. us, them out there eating. Oh, well, I, yeah, the possum. Well, a possum, I think. Well, a possum is a possum doesn't have. They can't get rabies because they're marsupial. Yeah, but they're naturally crazy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but they're also blind. But. I would say that a possum has a cleaner flavor. I would, and I'll. You think they have a better palate than the raccoon, though? I can tell you because I'm a they, fan they of West. No, okay. Well, well, look at it like a wolffish, right? You know, wolf yeah, wolffish. Yeah. Wolffish is delicious. Yeah. Big jaws, big teeth, eats, eats a ton, a ton of big stuff. Yeah. When you have an animal that's going around in the garbage eating stuff, you want them to have the most like delicate mouth and not have an aggressive because you don't want them to be eating giant things of rotten garbage. Yeah. No. Why, so why would you eat a raccoon? I guess is one question. Uh, and really, the, ans- the answer to this question the you can find if, if you're a fan of Wes Anderson like I am. Go watch Fantastic Mr. Fox, mm. where there are raccoons and pot. And the possum, I think he eats like little fish. He's got a nice palate, so you have to go he back. He does. And, uh, he carries a little bucket around. That's right. He, you're right. He, um, Kylie, I think Kylie, is his name. Yeah. Kylie from Fantastic Mr. Fox. We're dro- dropping we all, some. We all have a friend who's a Kylie. We all. Everyone does have a friend who's a Kylie. Hey, and uh, speaking of friends. What if I told you that you could have your very own sous chef? I mean, your sous chef could be your friend, someone who would pick all of your ingredients and do most of the slicing and dicing for you. 
Uh, you can. You can have it with uh, Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic meal kit service that sends you everything you need to cook amazing meals right at home. And we've been cooking a lot of Green Chef meals, haven't we, Jasmine? Yeah. Uh, Green Chef delivers premium organic ingredients plus easy recipes ready in just about 30 minutes. You'll love that Green Chef does most of the prep work for you. I mean, they do really the most important stuff. They, they provide all of those flavorful dressings. They have just a great oh, yeah. sort of dressings and sauce line. Every recipe comes with delicious pre-made signature sauces, marinades, or spices. Uh, plus, a lot of the organic produce is already pre-chopped because who's got time for that? That's right. No more crying over cutting onions. Green Chef makes cooking even more convenient by taking care of meal planning. Just pick the plan that's right for you and let Green Chef figure out the rest. They offer a wide variety of specialty meals like vegan, paleo, gluten-free, and more. Even as a professional chef, I mean, I love Green Chef. It gives me a shortcut to tasting great food. I mean, we cooked all of those from their omnivore package right, yeah, recently. Yeah, it was good. I mean, that pork chop yep. was just delicious. The chicken was outstanding. Uh, do you remember the pizza? The girls loved the pizza, right? Yeah. We had some guests over and I made it as like a little hors d'oeuvre. It's very oh. fancy. Oh, nice. So you yeah. did like the little flatbread pizza, right. sliced Just it up and everyone... Right, triangles yeah, and everybody kind of did Nice. In. Well, how did... So you cooked Green Chef when I wasn't around. Yeah. I'm a little bit more of the professional chef in the True. family. What did you think about Green Chef? Oh, super easy. I mean, great. Everything's there. The directions are there. It's clearly labeled. That's what I like. So. You know what I really love? I think you love this too because I see them on our... I love the little containers. No, oh, yeah. I love Everybody loves the little containers. Um, I mean, in our house, highly, they up... They're highly battled over. <laughs> I mean, right now, one's full of slime upstairs. Exactly. We, mm. we, we make things. Uh, the kids use them for toys. But listen, for meals that are easy to make and incredible to taste, just go to greenchef.us slash Richard and you'll get $50 off your first box. That's greenchef.us slash Richard for $50 off. That's kind of amazing. That's a big discount. I feel like yeah. I'm doing the world some good. Yeah. Green Chef. The advanced specialists at the Center for Innovative GYN Care developed groundbreaking, minimally invasive techniques to treat fibroids, endometriosis, and other GYN conditions. In response to growing concerns over the coronavirus, CIGC now offers e-visits. We know GYN conditions don't stop affecting your life. CIGC wants to be here for you as you seek options to find relief from debilitating gynecologic symptoms such as abnormal bleeding and pelvic pain. With telemedicine options now available, book a Consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. That's InnovativeGYN.com or 888-SURGERY. At American University, we don't just hope for change. We create it. We don't just dream of a better world. We make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout D.C. to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash grad school. Hey, everyone. It's Caitlin Bristow. You can listen to my show, Off the Vine, with Caitlin Bristow every Tuesday on Podcast One. Hear me take on taboo topics and unfiltered advice. I'll also be dishing with some amazing celebrities. Oh, and did I mention there'll be wine? So grab a glass and join me every Tuesday on PodcastOne.com, the new Podcast One app, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You're listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. So you also won Top Chef. I did. 
Uh, so it was, I mean, back in the 80s. Seems like you're back in the 80s uh, when Padma had the big hair and Colicchio still had Padma's hair. Padma's first season. Right? That's right. Yeah. So, like you're, you're, so you are a true Top Chef OG. You win your season. Okay. I mean, everyone knows this. We're not going to dig too deep. But um, you also end up with this rivalry with Marcel. Yes. Right? Did you have any rivalries in Top Chef? You know, I haven't. I, I never had a rivalry really on Top Chef, but I also had a minor Twitter rivalry with Marcel a couple years ago. I think ago. I remember. Yeah, that. so he, like, we did a spinoff called Top Chef Duels, yeah. which, you know, was a silly show, which I always thought instead of Top Chef Duels, they should invite back everyone who went home, first person to go home, yeah. and call it, like, Top Chef Tools. And it's like, <laughs> that would be. I wanted to do some episodes of Knife Fight like that. That would be right. Bring him back. back. Like, you've never. Here's Ken. You've yeah. never seen this guy. No. <laughs> I mean, wait, wait, wait. But that's basically what All Stars was. They brought back the losers. Yeah, but oh, they brought back of. people that were in the top. Yeah, they didn't yeah, bring yeah. And I won that one. So thanks for saying that. That's all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I like that. Um, but yeah, so I had a beef with my Marcel. Like we competed, and then I beat him or something. He got upset with me, and then on Twitter he like came at me hard. What did he say? He, so at the time I was doing a cat food endorsement. Uh-huh. And just to be clear, it was organic cat food. Okay. Uh, and he tweets me. Was it sustainable? It was sustainable organic cat food. And he tweets me, can't believe you're doing this cat food endorsement. What would Thomas Keller think? Like, that was a real oh, tweet. He, he broke out the TK. <laughs> like, he broke out TK, who was one of my mentors. Uh-huh. And I just, like, he and, just and came at me. sponsorship. Now, so. we're, and like, listen, I, I, well, that's what I think. Like, Thomas Keller endorsed the California Raisins. Like, yeah. not the Raisins, like the band, the California Raisins, I'm pretty sure. So, like, I think he'd be okay with it. <laughs> um... But like that's you know that's I mean and I, I since I think everything's squashed. Listen, but you have, this, he have a he have a family to support. That's what I well well thank you. See like you're I mean I'm guessing that you're only condemning people who are working. Well I mean when listen, you're not getting at, the, at the end of the day you can you know and I've said this for many years you can talk about how how lame you think Bobby Flay is but you know he's a very wealthy man. Uh, I'm well uh, wealthier than probably all three of us yeah. combined. And, and, I, so I can talk as much shit as I want <laughs> as I do sometimes because you know. You Whatever, do. But, but, but also we forget so quickly that Mesa Grill is actually like a seminal restaurant in yeah, America. Yeah, look I mean, at that, bringing the gravitas back. Um, so you, so you got into like my thing with Marcel was just a Twitter thing. Yeah, like I, I actually am, a, you know, a, a Marcel sympathizer. I think he's a good cook and he's a good. Kid. No, he is. No, he's incredibly talented. The problem is, is that you have clashing personalities. I mean, I've you know, you know this. I've yeah. said this hundred times, but. You have clashing personalities, and you're in this weird scenario. You know, Top Chef was for me was fun, and I think that's why I won because I didn't take it. I took it. I took the food seriously, but I didn't take the scenario too seriously because it was just. It's ridiculous. It's not it's reality. Yeah. yeah, it's so. So when you're in this scenario and you you know have conflicting personalities, maybe if we worked in a kitchen together, we'd get along great. But in this specific arena. We didn't. No, and a matter of fact, I would say if I remember, I think you were the villain, dude. You were kind of the villain in that Listen, show. Totally. 100%. Listen, man. Right. And 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 I I had a conversation with Andy Cohen about this right after right after because he we did the first Watch What Happens live online right right after the finale of Top Chef. It was me and Marcel and him. It I remember very, that. It's I very, was watching. It's very weird. I was home watching. It's very weird. But you know, he asked me, you know, what's what's the beef with Marcel? Why is everybody you know why is everybody have all these problems with Marcel? And I don't know if he's a master of media or he's elusive somehow. They, you know, I love him and I don't and I don't feel nice saying negative things about him, but he was an instigator. I don't know if he realizes that he was an instigator, maybe, you know, he didn't have a 
a filter on. And this is on, Marcel, not Eddie Cohen. This is Marcel. Okay. No, this is Mar- this is Marcel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no. But and you also have, you know, he was an instigator, and you you also have you go you all know this. You go into an interview room and you say, oh, this person said this. What do you think about that? When you're doing an interview for for you know after after a challenge, and you're like. That guy said that? What? What are you talking about? I think that's illegal now, by the way. Might be. Yeah, because that's what they did, huh? They were that's, masters they, of they, that. They, te- they teed it up even through my stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... So you were on. also involved in, in the... You know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. Where are you this, going? These, this, the, the scandalous head shaving incident, which was uh, a real thing, apparently, or... It was a real thing, yes. It was a real thing. It was not... It was, actually, it wasn't my idea. I shouldn't have done it but you know when you're 23 years old you do stupid shit right i mean there's nothing there's nothing more it was like you know so it was a little i mean from what i remember and i'd have to go back and watch but it was a little bit of a hazing sort of thing it was but if if you look back at it it didn't from everybody's perspective you know a lot of people call me a bully and a lot of people say that i was i was absolutely outwardly horrible to marcel it it wasn't i'm not i'm not a a I'm not an aggressive person. I'm not a, a mean person. Not at all. And I'm not... I don't like to cause people harm. So it was stupid, but it wasn't... Malicious. It wasn't malicious. It was... In my, in my mind, it was all fun. So you pissed me off. Like someone in, in a kitchen, you piss them off, you steal their, their mise en place. You, you know, if someone pisses you off, you steal their mise en place or you mess with them. It wasn't a... It wasn't a, I'm trying to get you fired or I'm trying to get you... You know, I'm trying to cause harm to your family. You know, it was... It was fraternally. It, exactly. Yeah. And, and rumor has it that uh, Calicchio wanted to shut the whole thing down for a hot second there. I, I don't know if that's... I think that's all bullshit. I don't think they actually cared. Right. I don't think the judges gave a shit. I, thought that they, I think they thought it was funny that Ellie and I walked in with shaved heads, and that was it. <laughs> Honestly, I think they were pissed <laughs> off that production was, was stretched a day right. from it, but... Well, that's a good... So for our viewers, one of the reasons why they might be pissed off that you shaved your heads is also like for continuity's sake. Totally, and right. we wore wigs for some of the interviews. Oh, my God, dude, you were dropping yeah. some well, stuff. Well, right wore a wig. Elia wore a wig, and she actually revealed it. But I wore. There's some shots. If you see me wearing a green bandana, yeah. and uh, and a white hoodie, yeah, I was. I had a totally shaved head. So they oh. had some interviews from from the first, you know, the first couple episodes that where I'm referencing challenges, and I'm completely bald. That's also like very Justin Bieber of you. Very, I feel like the yeah. hoodie with like the little bandana. Well, it's just a cover up because they didn't, you know. So you you go on, you win Top Chef. Yes. You're one of the early champions of the show. Uh-huh. So you have not really tasted defeat in competition at all no would you go back this is something that gets tossed around a lot would you do a top chef champions league where all the where it's only winners who come back and compete it depends i you know my first my first instinct would be to say no because the only thing that you can do is become a loser from it that's kind of true except for that one person who's gonna then win twice totally right totally um, and I already kind of did that. We did a before season three started. We did like a little thing where it was season one versus season two, and it was we like lost. a holiday theme. Yeah, right? we lost like? miserably. Right. And like m- the food was so wrong. It was just I did like fucking raw duck in like ninety five degree heat, where it was with like a raw egg and like a wild rice. It was like Thanksgiving. It was Ugh, so. I bad. remember it. It was terrible. It was I was terrible. a fan. I remember that special? Yeah. yeah. Were you guys wearing sweaters too? That? Um. Whoa. Probably your phone is blowing up no, right CJ now. CJ texted me, um, but, which, by the way, he's the winner of Top Chef Duels. 
Yeah, CJ, CJ won Davidson. Top Chef Duels, yeah. which uh, good for him. Like yeah. he got he got some money for that. Yeah, I no, think. he's 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 and, crushing it. His and he's legit. Yeah, he came back. Well, he went to Noma and then came back and did Top Chef Duels and was like yeah. you know plating like one leaf next to some charred leek ash. He makes beautiful like, food. He makes no, he makes the. I'm not making fun of. He's kind of amazing <laughs> that he did it. I love actually. So you can see him in the in that second Noma book. Yeah, he's yeah, in, and he's like you know CJ's like what six seven six something nine like yeah. something like that. Yeah, and it's kind of fun funny because like I don't think anyone else is above six feet in that kitchen so he's no. just like this super super tall yeah. chef and he's in he's he's in chicago now right yeah he's crushing it at ima he, he joined space, right? uh yeah i think it is yeah that sounds right that I sounds right so. might sound yeah. right but he's he's with lettuce he, he joined with lettuce he partnered with yeah, them and right. and he's just like crushing the game rushing amazing it. chef packed. the food's amazing that was the last um, time that i um accidentally blew you off on text message yeah, it's okay. was in chicago I'm no sure i, I have so, some social issues i mean i was that night i actually was entertaining a client but like i have some social issues where it's like okay. i you know I, I i don't go out a lot i was it's sitting in a bar sh- by myself were you that's no so- his his, okay. his girl his girlfriend <laughs> I've been ended up for coming. 16 years and i just got him today for the first time to say i'm probably not going to go out tonight as opposed to waiting until 8 p.m because <laughs> i have that weird thing out. it's like i'm tired but i don't want to tell people that i'm tired and then i say i'll call you later and then I don't, but I'm, I'm getting better um, with it. Um, so, dude, how has been the transition uh, now that you're a dad? And, like, has it changed your pers- perspective on, on cooking? Or do you cook at home now? For I, cook at, I cook at home a lot. Um, and, I mean, yeah, my son doesn't eat anything, so it actually hasn't changed Oh, my gosh, anything. okay. <laughs> like, does it, like, so not, a picky it, eater? It hurts. It's be, he's beyond a picky eater. So he's six. My son Theo is six years old. Um, and... What happened was, when he was a baby, we would make him all of his food. My, my, my lady and I, we would make him all of his food, we, and we purposefully did really strong flavor. So we would make it with ground lamb. We Ooh, that's do, a strategy you know, I haven't heard eat, of. He would eat, I mean, it made sense in my head. Yeah. Like these you know, kids in Thailand are eating spicy food when they're kids, and they don't know any better, and they just keep eating it. Huh. It's, you know, so I was thinking, like, you know, lamb, uh, he was eating beef tongue, he was eating bone, the bone marrow and the beef tongue were his two favorite dishes on my restaurant. Wow. And then at some point before he was two, ended. Just ended. He didn't want to eat anything else. It was like peanut butter and jelly, and it's not even like the normal kid stuff. So he has a hard time with like chicken nuggets, with proteins. He right. won't eat hot dogs. He won't eat. So it's like peanut butter well, and jelly. he's probably just smart if he's got a problem with like the chicken nuggets <laughs> and the hot dogs, <laughs> <Maybe>. right? <laughs> But not when they're, you know, organic and, you know, free range and... Has it changed the way that you cook in, in a restaurant situation or... Um, being a dad, no. 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 Because I find that it's made my food, like, I think, like, you're, I'm Healthier. not as worried about... Yeah, I'm a little bit more, you know, aware of, of health and, like, taking care of people, but also just del- delivering deliciousness. Because yeah. I would do silly things, like, for my kids, like, plate their food. <laughs> like, I was the dad who, like, poached one giant asparagus and put it on the tray and did, like... Like, like a little swoosh of total asshole. There, there's a legendary story about uh, Richard at his eponymous restaurant back in Atlanta where somebody was bringing in their little kid. Uh-huh. And he wondered, they wondered if they could do a tasting menu. So how many, he, how many vegetable purees did you do for this kid? Well, thanks for pitching that one to me, Eli. Um, yeah, so, like, listen, kids are people, too. No, so I agree. If they come into our restaurant, especially if they're young, the, the, the story Eli's saying is we had, a, like, a 20-course tasting, but we did it for a baby. That's amazing. So we did, we did 20 purees. And, like, I sent someone out to the store to buy a bunch of Gerber containers and then wipe off the labels. 
And like literally it was like carrot puree followed by sweet potato. And that's, the parents That's are, adorable. And the parents are now still like really important guests that's in my amazing. restaurants because like it was a pretty, you know, nice thing that we did. So I kind of love that. Like that's, going, going See, that's fun. That's cool. I wish I was in a position where I could do stuff like that, but my well, kid I, eats nothing. I, and that was also like 14 years ago. Well, yes, I'm so old. You're absolutely right. We're old. We're gonna um, date. We also did um, probably a little bit better for LA or Miami. We did a supermodel tasting menu where we only did aromas. 20 aromas. <laughs> you, you also had this supermodel salad idea that never got on the menu. No, a tiny little like one leaf salad or something. I, I had a one lot of One leaf salad and a cigarette and a shot of vodka. Well, it's getting kind of silly and kind of fun. Um, Listen, um, I want to play a game. Alon, you, are you down? Yeah, of course. Okay, so you've created a hit television show. You okay. won uh, um, a, a, another hit television show. You were like, you got your thumb on the pulse of, I think, everything cool in the food world. Um, but this game is called Real or Not. Okay. Real or Not. So I'm going to give you a list of television shows. You're going to tell me if these shows actually were produced and are real or uh, I just made them up or right. someone made them up. I'll you down to play? Right yeah. Let's Look, go. I can tell you are competitive because like, you, you bit your lip a little bit and you're like, <laughs> and, and Eli's super competitive because he's going to keep score, which okay. if you're playing at home, you can keep score too. Yeah, stats. I'm going to have to get sabermetrics on this. Here we go. Okay, so we're going to start. The, the, the game is real or not were these actual uh, cooking competition shows. The first one is Ramen Race. Ramen Race. He's serious. He's so serious false, right now. False, false. Ramen Race, he says false, was a real show, Alon. Really? It, is, it, it airs in Japan. Um, to oh, con- this is a worldwide thing? Yeah. I'm thinking like, oh. Well, I mean, I've seen, I've, okay, in all fairness, I've seen it on an, an airplane in the States. Okay, right. so it, it airs it somewhere in, in the Japan, States. But it's still. Um, all right. Now but, I've got it. Now okay, I've got so a different point of view. This is how competitive. Okay, but uh, two contestants ran around uh, Japan to different ramen. It was basically like um, Amazing Race, but only ramen. <laughs> That's amazing. Kind of amazing show. Yeah. All right, here we go. Next one. Real or not? A hundred mile challenge. A hundred mile challenge where families competed to see if they could survive off of eating food only grown a hundred miles from their home. That's false, miles. but it's a good idea. Hundred mile challenge is a real show, Alan Hall. Are it is a real is that, show. Is that the, is that no, the joke? There's no, there's no twist here. That's a Food Network Canada show, I believe. Someone will probably correct me, but that that is a real show where families competed like that. Okay, <sighs> here's one. Canadian television uh, show. Competitive eating that. show. Competitive eating show. Yeah. Uh, you know, hot dogs and pancakes and uh, what is it, Joey Chestnut and all yeah. those, those sort of things. That, that man is an American treasure. <laughs> he is a treasure. Uh, this show it was called Glutton Bowl Competitive Eating Show Competition. True or Glutton false? Glutton Bowl. Glutton Bowl. It's an American cooking show. From here's uh, to preface. From here on out, they'll all be American shows. Okay. Since I have a Canadian and a Japanese show. Glutton Bowl. This is uh, yeah. Was it a real show? No, it's false. It is also a real show. <laughs> I'm just uh, sticking with false because hopefully. Yeah, hopefully yeah. Well, no, don't, you're, you're not going to lose anything. You're, 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 you're a winner. I'm going to lose Listen, respect. I'm going to lose respect. And I know you're not a big sports guy, but in baseball, you're still okay. You're 0 for three. All you got right. a chance to bring it back. All right. Uh, this one. Uh, let's see. This one is called. Cook your ass off. This was uh, cooking healthy food. That was a real show. Cook your ass off was a real show that I hosted. It was hosted by Richard. That Blaise. I hosted. Uh, yes, you've never heard of it. It went one little season. I, it do, was I on, remember you telling me about it, and then I saw an ad. For it was it. on a news network. Uh, it. Yeah, it was a little too heavy. It was like our guest has diabetes, and can you cook a dish that's healthy for them? So it was really like had a good message to it, but yeah. like people just want to shove cheeseburgers in their face. At the end of the day, that's I feel like shame. that's what it is. All right, how about this one? This show is called Snack Off. Chefs competed to make snacks. They won prizes. Snack off. 
real? It's a real show. You got okay. it. Eddie Huang and Chrissy Teigen. Oh, on yeah. I actually MTV. saw the pilot to that before, oh, before wow. it went out. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. So, snack up. We're gonna, you want to keep playing? Because it's kind of fun. Sure, whatever. Okay, you want. you're good? Okay. Here we go. Uh, Sweet Genius, a pastry competition oh, yes, show. That was a real show. An amazing show. Yeah, it was a great show. Ron Ben great Israel, show. right? Yeah. Um, and it was amazing because, like, have you met him? No. He's, he sort of, like, looks like Dr. Evil a little bit mm-hmm. from, like, Austin Powers. And, like, he's, uh, he's got an accent. He's got a pretty thick accent. So he's like, I am the sweet genius. <laughs> where is he from? Uh, I, I, where is he from? Uh, Eastern... Austria. Austria. Let's just say Austria. Austria. I think we're going we're gonna to look it up. Uh, okay. What about this one? Summer Solstice Baking Competition. The Summer Solstice baking competition. Ron Ben Israel is from Israel, by the way. Uh, we just found it's out. It's in his name. Uh, producer Meredith threw us the stat real quick. Thanks, Meredith. Uh, <laughs> summer Solstice Baking Competition. <laughs> that's, a, that's a false show. That is a false show because who celebrates the solstice? Witches? Nobody. You, you Some just witches. just got up over 500 now. Okay, so yeah. you, now, now we got to go a couple more just so, right. you can, you can so get, you can get, the, get, get above it. 500. Clash of the Grandmas. Grandmas compete to see who cooks better at home. Clash of the Grandmas. I feel like there was a show like that, but it had a different name. So that's you're saying false. It is a real show. Oh, oh no, he's in trouble. He's b- below 500. 500. Uh, Top Chef alum Ryan Scott hosted the pilot of that show. By the way, by the way, I haven't. I didn't yeah. say it. Yeah, cool. Uh, the show went. By the way, <laughs> that went. I, I don't know if it got through the first one. Well, well uh, here's one on the menu. Uh, competitors cooked to see who would get their dish on a chain restaurant's menu. That is a false one. That is a real show. <laughs> How good do you feel about Knife Fight right now and Top Chef? Uh, that was, yeah. I don't know. I just I feel like there's so much out there that, was, that I've never uh, seen. That was hosted by Emerald, actually. Really? Yeah, and like, you would win. What was and, it like, called again? On the menu. So like someone from a big chain restaurant would come in as the guest. Yeah. And like, say it was someone from Friday's. Uh. And if you made the good dish, you'd get your item on the well, menu. That was the Top Friday's. Chef Challenge in our season. So, was... you know, I mean, so many of these shows are sort of derived from Top Chef. the challenge I lost. Uh, okay, last, last, last one. Last two. Yes. Last two. Yeah. All right, this one is uh, a show about sommeliers, wine experts who compete in different challenges, they decant, they swirl, they slurp, they blind taste. It's called win some, lose some. Um, that is actually a real show, but that's not what it was called. It was um, on Esquire, and it was called... It was on right after my show. It was on. You had. You were the lead. Also, in. it should have been nine some, lose some, but not. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you had the lead. You don't. You're right. Win some, lose some is a silly idea that I created. But there was a there was what a was competing. It, it was it was basically it was basically a show that showed people studying to become master sommeliers to study for the test, which was really oh, really yeah, it's kind of kind of fascinating. But I think it was, like it was some. It was based off the movie. It was based off of some, right. but it was, it was it was called, called no, it was called. Um, Let's find out. No worries. So we're going we deep. Are we, are we uh, producer Meredith is going that's back. That's a win. That's the, a win. Uh, I answered it completely. You win. You win. That. As a matter of fact, I think he gets two points for that one because he also knew it was fake and knew there was a show like it. <laughs> okay. Um, last one. Uh, this is a competitive bread baking show called Proof. It's a great Proof. name for a competitive bread baking show, but it's false. It is false. It is another show that I just created. Uncorked. T- uncorked. uncorked. I was going to say cork off. Yeah, no, that's right. The wine show was corked. Yep. Oh, I didn't remember and I did a whole event with them at my restaurant. <laughs> it was, no, it was called like Psalm Uncorked. Well, that's because you were like that. You're like the spe- you, you were the spearhead of that that whole sort of like um, block. 
yeah, of like I guess. food lifestyle sort of shows. Hey, yeah. speaking of which, what uh, new projects you got working on? Um, work, well, we have um, we opened we opened uh, we've closed we've closed restaurants. Okay, we closed restaurants, but we have one that is um, in operation in Los Angeles, Ramen Hood. That we're doing right now. <laughs> Have you heard? I haven't told you about Robin no. Hood. No. So Robin Hood, we opened up in Grand Central Market about a year and a half ago, and it's vegan ramen, 100% vegan. And it's awesome. Oh, I saw that, yeah. And it's Ooh. awesome. How do you get, how do you get that, that broth? Exactly. How do you get that broth going so without it was meat? So ba- it was based off of a dish that I was playing around with that was inspired by a method from um, the guys from Ideas and Food from Alex and Aki. Um, and they would pressure cook sunflower. They pressure cook seeds Oof. to give them sort of different textures. Um, and they, you know, did a risotto where they pressure cooked sunflower seeds, and it gives it like the texture of almost orzo or rice. Yeah. And um, so I was doing that for a while, doing a dish that had sort of, you know, ramenish flavors, and it was nice. But then I had all this leftover liquid. And the liquid, I would just sort of sip, and I'd have it in a quart container, and I would sip it, and it tasted like ramen broth. And Ooh. it was super rich because of the fat and the starch from the, the seeds. So what we do, we take, um, we make sort of a, a vegan dashi with, with, um, with kombu and with shiitakes, dried shiitakes. And then we take onions and white miso, sweat that out, add sunflower seeds, add the vegan dashi, and pressure cook it. And then we blend it. We don't put a lot of sunflower seeds, but they add that right amount of fat. So it has so texturally, it's almost like a tonkatsu broth, like Oof, really, really rich. Cool. Yeah. So it's super rich, and it's 100% vegan. And all the noodles that Sun does are actually vegan. Um, the noodles they do for us specifically. So what are some of the toppings on? on um, so we do we do um, we do bok choy. We do bean sprouts. Uh, we do nori. Sort of the. The traditional, we do uh, red Korean chili threads, and we also make um, we make vegan eggs. Whoa! Yeah, know, we really, make really vegan wild. eggs. So um, I'll show you. I'll show you some pictures. So it's it's actually pretty simple. Um, we we get local soy milk. That's really really nice. We we set it with agar in egg molds and half egg molds. We hollow out a little piece for the yolk, and the yolk is um, a combination of. Uh, nutritional yeast, black salt, beta carotene, and um, sodium alginate, and we spare. Are you the only one? Are you the only one making vegan? Egg? Like, is that something? There, that, I see some some people on Instagram doing stuff, but but we're doing it because the thing that I always need in a in a bowl of ramen is like that sort of runny yolk, like you know. Soft you you need egg. the egg. I mean, I I also kind of like the pork belly, but um, <laughs> I like the pork yeah. belly too, but. <laughs> But they look like real eggs, and we season them with togarashi. That's not the best picture of it. That looks but, um, pretty good. Looks Are you good kidding though. me? It looks delicious. Yeah. So and so we've been doing it for a year and a half, and it's awesome. That's like amazing. Best, so now with a name like Ramen Hood, yeah. Uh, do you have like some sort of give back part of it or like what like are you robbing from the rich and giving to the poor? We're robbing uh, like, like, we're, but we're just stealing, in broth? we're stealing meat eaters away and making them vegan. Well played. Well, because that could have been that could have like tripped you up a little bit, but you're way too uh, witty for that. You also are you're in the apron game now, it seems. Yeah, no, I'm a consulting uh, creative partner, whatever that means. Um, no, with with uh, Blue Cut Aprons, and I've been working with them for about two years, and they're it's just an awesome company. Really, really tiny, based out in LA. Oh my god, they sent me one. It was really nice. It was like a denim apron with like a yellow strap. Yeah. Well, and, I have uh, another one for you. That's amazing. Like well, I, then I, if I you usually have one, give, give it guests. To Eli. I, I didn't know Eli was going to be here. This one, yeah, I mean, maybe I will because Eli he came all the way up here from Atlanta to yeah. hang out with us. Maybe you'll get a gift today. Thanks, buddy. If, if you do, I, uh, if you do, if you button up your shirt, one or two no, more absolutely. buttons. No, no button, no button. Um, where can people find you? Uh, 
Uh, they can't. I'm pretty elusive. You're elusive. They can't. Um, no, I'm try. I'm try. I go between New York and L.A. Um, I live in New York and I work in L.A. So right. that's really sort of my gig right now. Which is by we you know we opened up talking about hipsters, which is like the ultimate sort of like successful hipster thing to say. Like I, I live in New York and work in L.A. That's amazing. Yeah. Like that, I want that to be my Twitter bio. <laughs> One day would be uh, yeah. just unreal. You'd have to make it like crazier. It'd have to be like working in Tripoli, living in Sydney. Maybe. Well, you, you're probably a step cool. away from from doing that. Um, always great to hang out with you. We like to play at the end of the show yeah. something we called 86. Get it out of here. It's 86. 86. So where you get to sort of like uh, tell us what you're over in your world. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be food, but it can be. What is Alon Hall want to 86? I am. I don't know. I'm over. It's it's weird because you try and you try. And, I don't know. I don't want to give a long winded answer about this, but um, but I will anyway. Uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of over people being helpful with food as a trend. Ooh, if that okay. makes any sense. So I like. You know, there are certain places for certain things. You know, if you look at if you look at our menu, Ramen Hood, it's some of it's healthy and some of it's pretty rich and fatty. It's all plant based. Um, but I don't – I feel like the world needs to start sort of thinking more – a little bit more about health. And, and that needs to start in all different sectors. So, you know, the quality of things that you're using, of course, obviously. But portion control. I think – I still think portions. I mean, we were talking about it with, with you know, food televisions that people just want to see the biggest cheeseburger in the world. Yeah, yeah. And I think that – to a degree, it's fun, and it can be fun in certain small amounts. But you know, it's kind of it's excessive, and I don't think it helps. You know, the health situation that's going on in the United States, and I think that's a big problem. And I think that you know, it's something that I, I made this way too. No, way too this serious. is great, dude. Like this is this is. But you're, so you're over people though. So using it as a marketing, using it as a mar- as a marketing tool. I mean, there's people that put bowls on that are you know, filled with. You know, whatever. I mean, it's it's there, and they're not. They're also not thinking about how to make healthy food taste delicious. And I think that you know, there's a lot of there's this whole bowl craze where you get bowls of brown rice and and quinoa it's, and grains, yeah, which sure. is great. There are ways that are low calorie, that are low fat, that you can make things taste delicious. I mean, I really, I really want fast food chains to start incorporating fermented products into their into their repertoire because they're inexpensive they're shelf stable and they can really sort of elevate things i mean if you have start you know working with miso and start working with you know even just miso and kimchi if you added that to two elements of two fast food restaurants you know you can you can extend you can make flavor you can make better flavor without making with making things healthier. I love that over the uh, the idea of just the marketing of healthy food. Yeah, things that I mean, are local it, and organic and all of yeah. those things that become more of a marketing thing than actually yeah. having some substance to it. Always amazing hanging out with you, Alon Hall. Out. That was a great session. Thanks. Uh, remember, everyone, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You want to subscribe and then also rate the show because if you rate it really well, we'll get a chance to do more episodes. You can find us on the Podcast One app um, and you can find us on social media across all platforms at Starving 4 Pod. That's Starving, the number four pod. Uh, Richard Blaze, I was here with Eli and Alan Hall. We'll talk to you soon. Stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Listen to new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. Hey, have you heard? 
Podcast One has a whole bunch of awesome new shows filled with big names that are waiting for you on our brand new amazing app. This one's a game changer. There's Norman Lear talking to Amy Poehler, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and Charles Barkley. Geffen Playhouse Unscripted with Brian Cranston, Josh Gad, and soon Neil Patrick Harris. Nice. OC Real Housewife, Heather Dubrow's World, Lady Gang's Three Mimosa Podcast with Leah Michelle, Nelly Furtado, L. King, and more. Plus every episode of the Adam Carolla Show, Dan Patrick, and Rich Eisen. And if you like what happens in the ring, we've got Steve Austin, Chris Jericho, Chael Sonnen, and a whole bunch more. So download our one-of-a-kind new app and see for yourself. Go to the App Store, Google Play, or download it now at podcastone.com. At American University, we don't just hope for change. We create it. We don't just dream of a better world. We make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout D.C. to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool.